it going it's a bit a while yeah my bad just a lot of things have been getting the way recently helping family move around or reorganizing travel plans trying to figure out any sort of schedule lining everything up in the middle of december or everything that's at its most chaotic with family and friends and events and things that get organized things get set up things get canceled trying to figure out any time in between to actually make any of this work as a miracle in of itself but I understand it's been a while, and I apologize for that, but anyways, hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. We are getting pretty damn close to the new year. It is now upon us, and at this point, we're going to have the opportunity pretty soon to go and look back on some of the things that made us smile, made us laugh, made us cry, leading into what happened in terms of the anime sphere and the medium itself over the year of 2022, but that's going to be for a later episode. That's going to happen in the new year. A lot sooner than you would think, but for now, the last episode that I wanted to get out by the end of the new year is essentially just catching up on a bit of the news that ended up popping up over the course of December, as well as giving my retrospective thoughts on the fall 2022 anime season. Because, holy hell, this was a lot. And a lot is kind of just the plainest way that I could describe this season, because this was easily the most shows that I've watched inside of a single season in years and years and years. Like, this is basically back when I was getting into the medium. Like, when you're an anime fan jumping in and you're like, oh my goodness, I need to watch this show and catch up on this show. And oh my god, seasonals are a thing. So, and there's like 50 of those coming out every three months. So, like, what am I supposed to do with that? It's really difficult. And so there was definitely a good reason why I ended up holding myself to about five to six shows a season. But the fact that I ended up starting 14 shows for in one is just bonkers to me and is definitely a testament to how many amazing pieces of fiction that we were able to go through and experience over the past three months. But I will get to that soon, but at least to lead that off, I'll at least cover a handful of things that popped up over the month of December. One of which that I'm kind of excited about is that Science Saru's new anime film, Your Color, has finally got an estimated release date for fall of next year. Well, when I say next year, I mean less than 12 hours from now, but Naoko Yamada is going to be coming back to direct it as well, considering that the last piece that she was able to go through and direct back at Science Saru, which was her first major departure from doing any major project with Kyoto Animation, and that one ended up being Heike Monogatari, and I really did enjoy that piece, especially not only with the soundtrack, but essentially what the show was able to bring us in terms of that sort of generation inside the Heike period of Japan. And so it was really interesting to see how she would diversify herself by going into a different studio, which to be fair, Science Saru, easily one of my fave five studios that are currently still producing shows over the course of these past couple of years. And so the fact that she was able to go through and make a really good professional relationship, more than enough to the point where they would let her come back and direct a new one, which in this case is going to be a film. I'm really going to be excited to see how that's going to be pulling off later in the new year. And something that's going to be kind of interesting, I, for, <laughs> oh, Cookie, I didn't, like, wholly enjoy uh, Lucky Star the first time I ended up uh, rolling around and watching it. I think I got about five to six episodes in and then I ended up dropping it, to which he thought it was blasphemy, and so I had to go back and give it a rewatch for the first time in years and years and years, which definitely does kind of 
going through trying to go through it again considering that I tried Lucky Star like way back in 2014 when I had barely been a couple of years into watching anime and I didn't know a lot about the industry or what the fandom was like in the 2000s or essentially how it was able to go through and fit so many meta references in for the rest of it which unfortunately I didn't really get a lot because I didn't have more than enough it I had little to no information leading into anything that they were talking about so even when they were trying to drop a couple of hints and meme worthy pieces of history that were inside the medium, it completely flew over my head, so I couldn't necessarily get any enjoyment out of that. But coming back to rewatch Lucky Star, you know, about two years ago, I'd say it was fine. It's, I think it's one of his favorite shows, so unfortunately I can't really share the same sentiment. But what I'm actually going to be curious to see what they're going to turn out with this new project is that there is going to be a Lucky Star spin-off manga, which is going to be Kanata 15 years after her previous story had ended with her in high school. So now we're going to be getting this... 30-something anime fan that was, like, back in the 2000s, in the midst of the dot-com era, in the midst of the debut of online messaging boards, and a handful of anime that would essentially go through and become the flagpole series and just the defining eras of that decade. But to see what the spinoff is going to do following Kanata in the sense that this is now in the 2020s, this is going to be her in her 30s, still sticking around as, you know, an avid doujin reader, as an avid anime fan, and she's going to be consistently going through, you know, visual novels, light novels, arrow gaze, just kind of like everything that has evolved through the medium over the past 15 years. And so I'm really curious to see how that's going to go in the sense that it is going to be launching through publication in the spring. And so now we have the opportunity to know when Suzume, which is the newest film by Makoto Shinkai, is going to be making its way overseas, considering that it has been doing numbers inside Japan, because of course it's a Makoto Shinkai film, and anything that he decides to put out for the rest of time is definitely going to be turned into gold, thankfully for him and Comics Wave, but at least for the rest of us, it's going to be not until April that we're going to have the opportunity to see these uh, stateside or North American side, or Europe side, or however you want to call it, considering that at least it's going to be coming out on April 12th in France, the Aussies, and New Zealand, and Mexico, and Germany, all of them are going to be able to get it on April 13th, and North America, well, North America, Mexico is surprisingly going to be getting it a day before us, but in terms of Belgium, Canada, and the US, and the UK, all of us are going to have the opportunity to go and see the new film theaters on April 14th, so I'm really curious to see how this is going to be leading in, because... I, as I've said many times before, I love your name. I was just mildly excited leading into his newest film, but it didn't necessarily give me anything to hang on to, and so I can barely even remember it uh, weathering with you. It was a fine movie. The skydiving scene for sure is worth the price of admission alone, but everything else inside of that film kind of just left me high and dry and not really getting me to care about anybody except the main girl and her little brother. But I'm really curious to see how this is going to be turning out, especially when it's going to be opening a new door to not only the film and the characters, but to Makoto's career in general. Now, I know I'm not really too much of a fan of the Oscars anymore. This is definitely... It's gotten to a point where it's just, oh, I click open an article to see the nominees, and then I click open an article to see the day after the event takes place. It's like, oh, so who ended up winning? And then I would imagine that Reddit's going to be throwing a handful of, you know, clips and going around just to kind of see if anything interesting happens, which very rarely it ever does. But in terms of the animated category, which is definitely something I always put under high scrutiny, considering that very, very rarely do 
the confirmed nominees have the opportunity to go through and be anything outside of Disney, Pixar. I'm, I'm glad to see that there are a, a good chunk of, you know, French and Irish, and of course there's always that one Japanese film. Well, what, were there any Japanese films last year? I don't think so. But to be fair, I don't think 2021 had too many big pieces come out that year, so I wasn't too, you know disheveled or sad to the point because it's like a it's the oscars who gives a shit and b there wasn't necessarily too many options that would like really 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 get me invested in terms of anything that came out like if i looked through the things that came out last year in theaters basically the only thing that i could give would which which weren't even in theaters like if if ava 3.0 plus 1.0 was in theaters, then I would be totally invested in like, hey, why the fuck didn't this get going through there? But uh, last year, Ava made its debut on Amazon Prime, so there was no way that that would have had the opportunity to go through, so I can definitely understand that. And outside of that, the only other thing that I would have liked to see nominated was the Shirobako movie, but then again, there wasn't really... I, 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 it's not amazing to that point that I would like be wholehearted, like give it a recommendation, and not so much. Uh, this year, though, I'm kind of... I'm excited about two of which that they ended up giving, because the third, Goodbye Don Gleeze, which I've talked at length, and I'm going to give it its own special thing coming in for the retrospective of 2022. Unfortunately, that is also nominated. So the only way I can get angry, because I won't really care if none of them get nominated, but if out of these three, between Goodbye Don Gleeze, between Drifting Home, and between Science Star's Inuo, if... Don Glees is the one that gets somehow nominated and these two get dropped. That is the only way I can have like any sense of getting angry. If they don't, if none of them get, if none of them get nominated, couldn't care less. If Don Glees gets nominated over those two, which I thought were amazing in their own right to the point, and like Inu O, like so much so, that's the only way I will ever have like any reason for me to like get any, to show any sort of anger to this kind of bit. But Here's to hoping that Inuo ends up getting the nomination that it so rightfully deserves. But in, in the end, we highly doubt it. Um, but in terms of films that Crunchyroll was able to add to their library for the rest of it, there are definitely a handful that I wholeheartedly recommend for the rest of it. It's tough to say if you haven't seen the show itself, but if you still haven't had the opportunity to see any of the Sound Euphonium films, then I definitely recommend giving those a watch, considering that I think the first two are recaps, but uh, the third Sound Euphonium film, which I did get to see in theaters, is definitely worth it if you are still a fan of the show and you still want to see more content and see the story move forward, because apparently at this point we are still like waiting for either a new season or a new handful of OVAs to go out and conclude the story. So not only that, but they also ended up adding Liz and the Bluebird, and that is a phenomenal film. Like, it, it is easily, like, one of my favorite films, like, from the past decade. It is definitely a recommendation that if you... I can't really give it the time of day, or neither should you if you haven't seen any of uh, the previous anime, but definitely give this a watch if you still haven't already. Um, and then on top of that, we ended up getting uh, the Shirobako film is now on its library. We also ended up getting Makio and the Promised Fire Blooms. I would definitely say that's a good work done by Mario Kata. And then... Same deal, uh, I believe it's done by Studio Colorado, and this was also one of the films that I recommended in my previous episode, uh, Penguin Highway, also ended up getting added to the Crunchyroll catalog, so definitely recommend giving that movie a watch if you're down for a fun time. So now at this point, I'm partway through JoJo's Part 6 in terms of Stone Ocean, 
I am probably going to get it done within the next week since I was able to finally catch up to, I think it was episode 25 leading into at the end of the second core since this December, like over the past month, they finally added the third core of this season. And so I'm really excited to see how this concludes since it's definitely ramping up to be just a, <laughs> just a bombastic like ridiculous setup in the sense that they are always implying there is somebody lurking not lurking in the shadows but whose hand has been a part of every major conflict leading into the rest of this so i'm really curious to see how they're going to like lead that into the conclusion of part six but it has been quite a while since part eight has ended in terms of the manga category but now we finally ended up getting an official release to the point where jojo's bizarre adventure part nine Jojo Lands is going to be debuting on February 17th, and I haven't necessarily caught up to it. I'm not particularly uh, excited about leading into more Jojo's content. I'm probably just going to stay in anime only for the rest of my life, for, for better or worse, but I would imagine that there are a lot of people who are definitely excited to show and see how that debuts in February, and so I'm kind of excited and glad that after a bit of a delay, there is more than enough new content coming out of Araki and the Jojo universe as a whole. And finally, I get a release date for easily one of my favorite running manga going at the time. Insomniacs After School is going to be premiering in the spring 2023 anime season in April. So I am, it's, I really do enjoy this, especially when it's just incredibly, it's like I say, incredibly basic. It's, it is pretty basic. It's just about two Insomniac kids who are stressed for different reasons in their life, coming together and creating a astronomy club to hopefully not only bring give themselves a reason to get themselves back into school, back into society, like just have their opportunity to retake authority and just sense of their lives, but how they're going to be able to do it together. And currently this is like one of my favorite you know, slice of life romance shows that is currently, you know, in publication. And I'm really glad to see that it has finally ended up getting a release date to leading into the new year. So at least that's another thing for me to get excited about. So now I don't really know how much more I want to talk about uh, the fall season because I know it's been phenomenal. I know that it was just an amazing piece all the way through and it lived up to the hype leading into every single high caliber adaptation and project that it was going to be leading in over the next three months. And I definitely can say it did not disappoint in any regard for the rest of it. Not only for the ones that I was excited about, but even the shows that I had legitimately no expectations or no knowledge of them even like going through and having the opportunity to shine in the ways that they did. So at least the one that I can just uh, drop for now, uh, it's, I mean, quite literally, I did get into uh, Two Year Attorney Season 2 for a couple of episodes. I was always shaky on the characters and the arcs that were going through the first season, and it, and it was definitely, like, to the point where I just... Unfortunately, I realized what the gen general ebb and flow of the story was going to be. This is what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. And this is going to be the ending. And this is how the story is going to move forward. And unfortunately, I like it was too late. And because my completionist bit, I was more than halfway through. So it's like, okay, I'll, over the next two months, I'll, I'll finish it. I know it's 20 episodes. Like, that's going to be fine. I'll like find it somehow to make through. Um, and then I started this new season the fact that it was going to do the same thing again 
and again, and after going through that first arc, realizing that, hey, this is just going to be leading into the stuff that you were always lukewarm about in the first place, it was definitely the only major thing that I could ever, like, give the time of day, but then also drop. Because uh, I do believe that To Your Attorney was, like, one of the last shows to come out for the fall 2022 season but it was definitely not the one that lasted the longest and so unfortunately that was the one i had to essentially drop and then just can't give the time day because at the end of the day i just did not care of, co of course it gives you new characters to try and tug at your heartstrings and get you to care about them but if they're not going to be there only in spirit by the end of the next arc and the main character that you're trying to go forward and empathize with is just I, I, I can't. I, I just don't care about this dude. I, I just don't. I don't care about this rock. So at that point, I don't know. It, it was just definitely not something that could like retain me for too long. And considering if you're getting me apathetic about the characters leading into it, then that's easily the quickest way for me to drop a show. Uh, but in terms of the other... Uh, sequels that ended up coming out this season. I did end up finishing uh, Yamano Susume's fourth season, which is really difficult to call it a fourth season because the first half of it, I'm pretty sure, because they do like take out minute things just to fit everything into an episode, because this used to be like six to 12 uh, minute episodes in the first three seasons, considering it was a it was a short set that was also funded by the public tourism agency to get people hiking. And the animation is great, the character dynamics are fun, but the first, I'm pretty sure it was the first six episodes of this season because they jumped from six to 12 to a full 24 minute episode. And so they filled the first half of the season with recap of the first three seasons. And at that point, I'm just, oh man, like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? So it was a very, very difficult first half to essentially go through and, like, keep staying strong and be like, okay, there's going to be new content, there's going to be new content, this isn't just a recap, they're, at some point they're going to be able to go through and create new stuff, so just stick with it. And thankfully, by the end of the day, it was able to give me a, sol a solid and satisfying conclusion leading into the rest of it, because... We've seen these girls grow a lot over the past, or at least, what is it, probably about over the course of 18 months through four seasons. And so I'm really glad to see how they've been able to go through and keep trekking on and continuously growing well as a group and growing as well as a set of friends, as well as in expanding the cast to, like, some too ganky, some too, <laughs> some too, like, passive and dandere for my taste, but, um... It was definitely nice to see just the connections and the interactions between, like, this growing cast, which you are definitely, it, like, it's fun to be around them, and it's definitely fun to see them get to the top of whatever challenge that they are trying to climb, and I would say it was fine once you finally got to the new content. It was definitely a fine and dandy good show to at least line up and figure out the rest of it. Spy Family got its second half of like it's it's always difficult whenever this goes around because it's the first it's the second core of the first season and i'm pretty sure they're going to call the next spy family like season two for the rest of it just because it was a split core i'm still just going to take this second half which ended up coming out in the fall of 2022 i'm just going to call it the second core of the first season so the second half of the first season and it's more spy family like what what more could you ask for it was 
Like it was still fine. Like the animation is still great. The dynamic is still good. I really did appreciate that we ended up getting more characters to go through, to interact with Twilight and Yor to at least get them outside of their comfort zone and have the opportunity to go through and experience the rest of it. Uh, you know, Anya's still fine. Uh, Bond is a fantastic addition to the family and I really enjoy just the cheerfulness and the extra joy that he ends up bringing Anya and the family as well. So yeah, it was a fun time. It was Spy Family, and there's not really much else I can say about it, considering that, you know, if you were already into the rest of it, then yeah, just keep going. There's still a lot of good pieces. It's the one thing that people keep, like, checking back in on and hoping is that they give more characterization to Yor, because Yor is really, unfortunately, really underutilized, because she's the least interesting out of the rest of the crew, because people just want to see Anya doing Anya things, even though... I really don't like my least favorite part of the show is when Anya's at school and she has to deal with all these, you know, like elementary school children. And so sometimes it's funny and most of the time it's not. But you really like to see what the spy aspect brings to the table. And Yor ends up getting her chance to shine later on in the manga, which I really, I, I, I can't remember how far into it that we've had the opportunity to, for uh, Wit Studio and Cloverworks to adapt, but I'm pretty sure she'll have the opportunity to go through because easily one of my favorite episodes of this new season was like having Yor get the opportunity to go through and not only, you know, repair past bridges with the people at her work, but just learn how to cook a meal that was so just traditional and important to her family when she was young before she lost everything. And so that was easily like one of my favorite pieces leading into the rest of it. And the fact that she can now cook something that does not essentially knock out the rest of the family is definitely a step in the right direction. So it's it was fine. It, it, it was more than fine. It was definitely a good another good experience of Spy Family that we know we're going to be getting in the future. And they've also not only set up for a second season, but they're also going to be getting an original movie. So to be fair, that's probably going to be the one that I'm more excited about leading into the future. Now... It was definitely a mixed bag the first time I ended up watching it because the zany OMG LOL's humor that it brought into the rest of it, trying to figure out where it was in its pace and how it was able to go through. Um, Pop Team Epic was definitely... It was, it was interesting to say that this was the first episode uh, that I watched of the new season. And it still did more than enough of setting a strong tone leading into like why it deserves to exist and why the humor itself is still able to line itself up to be classic but give it a really good modern twist as well. And considering how zany the internet in general has been over the past year, what they were able to accomplish and add into this new season, especially bringing into some of the more modern games, classic games, references, movies, media, TV shows, and giving everything the opportunity to just rip it a new one. It was definitely fun, like, every week to kind of see what they would press forward with next and what they would decide to make fun of and give us an opportunity to just have a laugh every week. Also, it has its own bonafide adventurous assemble moment, and anything that can settle that up gets an A-plus in my book. So between... Uh, it's, it's really tough. So between the three shonen sequels that ended up coming through this season, I would say they were all great in their own right. Um, My Hero season, uh, sixth season, considering just the overall apathy that not only the fan base but the anime fandom in general has been going through over the past season and a half, because we had overhaul. What was it? It was basically overhaul, 
was the last like good arc maybe kind of sort of they did do mirio dirty um and, but it did give us like a good finale to that but unfortunately for it, when it was in the manga uh, the gentle arc, the gentle school festival arc, I really enjoyed reading that week by week, but once it ended up getting to the adaptation, it didn't really land the same way that it did. And a lot of people didn't, uh, like, per pertain or enjoy it too much because you went from the high-octane Yakuza sting into a school festival, which which has definitely been one of splitting pieces of not only the manga of the fandom as well as that uh, Horikoshi has a bad habit of, like ramping up the tension and then winding it down with the rest of it which is nice to have like a decent ebb and flow to like the seriousness and the slice of life moments but when you end up doing that and then it just settles up for a whole half of the season then not a lot of people are going to be too invested in that when it just keeps whiplashing you back and forth and so leading into the fifth season when we ended up getting what i thought was going to be like a really uh, fun and interesting take because we actually get to see the side of the villains and which was definitely a more entertaining part the fact that which I still think to this day the movie ended up contributing to the mess of the schedule the fact that they gave the A vs B fight in season 5 like two thirds of the 25 episodes and then just shafted the My Villain Academia arc to be like less than half of what the season was going to be was just a baffling decision considering that you didn't get any time to essentially go and reimburse yourself into why these characters are important because leading into the sixth season where it is just one big raid, one big huge monumental heroes versus villains fight, the fact that the villain arc didn't get as much time as it could to flesh out any of these characters that were going to be playing very major parts in this new season, the fact that they weren't able to give them the time of day and then just gave it to the students that also had just as much, if not less, time on screen than they were, like, setting that up was just an asinine decision to lead that in. But if I can stop, uh, stop talking negatively, I do think that it was a nice return to form for season six in terms of My Hero because they knew what the setup was going to be, they knew what was important and how big this set piece was going to be in terms of returning people to the fandom and reinvigorating people's enthusiasm about this series in general. Because it's been a long while since they've had anything to notch praise onto, and I would definitely say that this first half, considering that the first 12 to 13 episodes of the 25 whole pieces that are going to be coming uh, leading into winter 2023, this first half was definitely more than enough of a good step in the right direction. Since the adaptation was great, the set pieces were phenomenal, the scale of destruction is, even though there have been pieces of that littered out through My Hero Academia, what it was doing in this season could not be compared to any other season. Nearly everybody had their chance to shine. We had Deku having the opportunity to go absolute mad lad once again, and Mirko ended up getting her time in the spotlight for multiple and multiple episodes, and to have her just go ham inside the labyrinth leading up to Shigaraki. They definitely did this arc justice for sure, just to kind of show how much chaos and destruction could be unfolding in such an event, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to be moving forward with into the second half of that season. So I'm really glad to see that it was returned form to my hero. 
considering that this is going to be probably the first time that we're going to have back-to-back -back arcs where the pace does not slow down and it is not going to be something that people are going to be enjoying about because the aftermath is something to behold. Now, the shonen that definitely gave me the biggest shock, because I am legitimately surprised at how excited people were, considering how long it's been off the air, is that Bleach ended up finally coming back onto the air with its Thousand Year Blood War arc. And I was really concerned because Johnny and I watched the first episode, and it basically ticked off the boxes to everything that you were going to expect from a Bleach show where it's just, like, we were we were going through the checklist and it's like, okay, so how long is it going to take them to either play number one, uh, go Bankai, do Getsuga Tensho, do the roll call, and bring everybody back into the fold for, like, being, everybody's being surprised that, oh my god, it's Ichigo, the substitute Shinigami. Um, and they did all that in the first episode. And I'm thinking, did they blow their load too early? Like, they, they did every single thing that the show is known for, that Ichigo is known for, and they just blew through it all in one episode. And so now I'm thinking, what, so now what else is there? I mean, it's Bleach, so there's going to be fights, and there's going to be Bankai, and there's going to be ridiculously overpowered enemies that go through and try to foil and destroy Soul Society, but the sheer scale and horror and violence that's the Quincy's are able to distribute inside of this season, like, blew my expectations out of the water. Like, they did not pull any punches leading into what they were capable of into this season. And having Ichigo go through and try to become the catalyst and to try to become the hero, try to become number one, and still having a difficult time getting back into it was something that I'm really glad that they were able to pull through and keep the pace at a relatively brisk setup. Which, still, it was very difficult. All the initial stuff leading up to Ichigo, where it's like, oh, Ichigo's gonna be the one to save today, Ichigo's gonna be the one to, like, uh, lead through, and he's gonna be the overall answer to everybody's problems. And I'm glad that they didn't, that they pulled the focus away from him and to the majority of the captains who basically have the biggest shakeup out of anybody inside of this like for and for the first time in a long time the captains are given a run for their money it has definitely been ages since something along this scale has happened and the fact that not only is bleach going through and keeping these ideas in these fights fresh but considering what perot was able to do with this season and how they've been able to change it and give it not really a fresh coat of paint because you can just throw that to any series, and it's like, oh, they got it. Like the, it looks better. It got a fresh, fresh coat of paint. Considering like how Bleach was airing in the midst of the two thousands, and how they were shifting around different programs and different art styles that they were able to go through and make it. And by the time it reached to the late two thousands and the early tens, before it was finally taken off the air, it was just definitely one of those things where it just kind of like overstayed its welcome and it got real and it got real stale and not a lot of things were able to go through and keep it as fresh inside of people's minds as One Piece and Naruto is able to do. And the fact that this season we got Ichigo, Luffy, and Naruto all on screen at the same time. Naruto unfortunately not in his own show, but seeing all of them go through and still have the energy and the opportunity to bring action and just dynamic 
enthusiasm that only shonen protagonists can, and to see that they still have a bit of fight left in them was really nice to see. And I'm pretty sure... Yep, so Bleach is going to be coming out with its second core of the Thousand Year Blood War arc this summer, and I'm really excited to see how this movie... <laughs> movie, how this show is going to be moving forward and what it's going to be able to give us with the fights to come. And then the final shonen sequel that we ended up leading in for the rest of it, it was a good show. Good show, satisfying conclusion. This was easily like my most overhyped show of the season, like even more than Chainsaw Man, just because of how good the second season of Mob Psycho 100 was. Easily, like, Mob Psycho's second season is one of the best, like, anime seasons, like, in the past ten years. Easily. Like, of, of the decade, I would probably say Mob Psycho season two is, like, my one of my top five anime seasons of the 2010s, bar none. It was a phenomenal piece into self-betterment, self-improvement, learning how to not only love yourself, but the people around you. And even though your quote-unquote special doesn't necessarily mean you deserve special treatment and doesn't necessarily mean that you have everything handed to you on a silver platter and that you have the right to the world. You have to earn that shit. And so the third season was ramping up to be fine, and I did enjoy one of the fights, but leading into the final half of it just being something that was going to be... Like, it was the final thing that the show had to do. Just the final thing, because it was the genesis about why Mob wanted to be a better person in the first place. It was just, it was nice to see him get that conclusion, that catharsis, but the rest of the season definitely didn't live up to the expectations that I set to it, which was definitely on me, and that it was my bad that I was really hoping that it could be one of my next tens. Like, if it was still the same quality as season two, it would easily be one of my favorite shows of all time. I still think it is a recommendation that I will give to anybody who is looking for a new, you know, shonen action series that's different from, like, the regular beat-em-ups and something that focuses on improving yourself rather than improving just your basic abilities. And so it'll definitely be a recommendation that I give into the future for years to come, but I would definitely... There's the unfortunate thing I have to say is that it's probably the weakest of the three seasons, which is still... It's still good television. Like, it's still fine, and it's better than the majority of stuff out there, but compared to how well the first two seasons were able to build itself up and introduce us to these new characters and that tried to have themselves better, not through their psychic powers, but just to improve themselves, it was a fine... Not a whimper, but it was a slow cross the finish line, and I'm glad to see it go through and have the opportunity to settle itself up and make it a mainstay inside the anime medium, regardless of what the conclusion had done. And so leading into the new shows, who finally ended up getting their debut and had the opportunity to either wow us or just, well, <laughs> or drag us through the mud. No, that, that was mostly just two-year eternity. Every, all the new things that ended up coming out this season that I ended up finishing, some were surprising and some definitely got better over time, but I'm glad to say that I enjoyed all of them to some degree. I would say do it yourself, as the cute girls doing carpentry things show as it was, it was a really difficult and slow beginning because I didn't really latch on to any of the characters for the first three to four episodes, considering that from... I didn't watch any of the previews, 
And I'm pretty sure I said this before, but it's just the main girl because of all the band-aids that she has on her face and her hands and her arms. I was just kind of like, oh, so she's like very uh, consistent and, you know, very well versed into leading up the majority of the power tools that she uses. She's going to be the main character that we go through and that we follow in the things that she makes. And she, you know, rebuilds, destroys, and continuously tries to form new things and have the opportunity to improve her skills. No, she's got nothing. She, she's the absolute worst person that you want to hand power tools to, considering that she is so goddamn clumsy that giving her any kind of power tool is going to lead to some form of destruction in any environment that you're going to be. So it's like, I'm more stressed than I am serene watching this, what is supposed to be a cool laid-back show about everybody like trying to fit in and doing their own work but oh boy it was it was really tough and the 12 year old american exchange student i really don't like one of the tropes that i don't really like is the exchange student that speaks like half japanese half english i really <laughs> unless it's I'd much rather, well, actually, no, it's just as bad. Whether it's an English person speaking Japanese or a Japanese person speaking English, there's just very, very few voice actors inside the medium that can actually integrate both and, like, fluently communicate those across the screen. And this gal definitely didn't do it. It was mostly for, like, a cheat lap, and in the initial, like, part of it, I really did not like her. It was really difficult for me to actually get into any of these characters, especially putting like the main the, like the second main girl whose default face is just pout like it, it's not rest, resting bitch it's not resting bitch face it's just resting pout face cuz she doesn't do anything else and you're like oh yeah no they're some, they're best friends they've known each other, each other since childhood she definitely doesn't make things like appear like that at all <laughs> it's just not even close um, but as the series went on, as the dynamic ended up, like, getting more coiled, and you actually saw them learn and grow with each other, and you could actually give the main character a power drill, and you wouldn't be just fucking stressed and biting at your nails just to hope that she doesn't injure herself or anybody around here, once they all got the dynamic down, it was a much more enjoyable watch just to kind of see everybody come together and undertake this large project that you wouldn't really expect, considering I would have thought it would be something more of like a dresser or a bench or just something to make their own living space a little bit more furnishable and, like, natural. And how they're able to go through with the trials and tribulations of the larger project that they were able to undertake, it definitely made the show a lot more streamlined. And now that they had a specific goal in mind, I really enjoyed what they were able to go through and collaborate and complete this, to be fair, like monumental task that it would that I really didn't think that they would have been able to accomplish. But I'm really glad to see that they're able to go through and make the group dynamic. And they're probably going to have a brighter future ahead than they did before the show started. So I'm really glad that at the end of the day, I was really enjoying it. So Blue Lock, for months and months and months, like probably over a year, on the Podfather's Discord, I had seen multiple like manga screenshots of a lot of the faces and a lot of the actions that were like being performed like throughout the course of the manga. And I would say this was also one that had a very rough start because I did not give a shit about any of the dudes on the soccer team or the football team, however you want to go about it. I just, I didn't care about, because it definitely flips the script on its head where it's like, yeah, you must prioritize your ego over your teammates. So fuck this power friendship shit. The only way that you guys are going to be able to get through to the next stage is by your own ego and your own power. And so I did like that. And it didn't really come 
into play about ha- until about halfway through, but it was definitely cool to see how it's able to flip a lot of the generic shown in sports shows tropes on their heads. And so I'm really glad to s- as and so as it moved forward and as you got more and more of an idea about what the show prioritizes and how it's able to go through and influence the rest of it, I'm really glad to say that by the end of it, I was definitely a lot more hyped and a lot more interested towards the rest of it. Because I don't care about all the characters, but I do care about a good handful of them. And considering the way that this is moving forward, I'm really curious to see how these egos and personalities are going to be bouncing off one another as the series goes forward. And considering that this was the absolute perfect timing for this show to be airing right in the middle of a fuck Qatar but b the 2022 World Cup like for me watching an episode of Blue Lock on my phone and then looking up to the screen to watch fucking Argentina versus France like that shit was surreal and both games elevated themselves like to higher highs that I would have been able to expect them to do on their own so I was really glad to see how they were able to move and push forward considering the timing that these two were able to collaborate and not really collaborate because they didn't really necessarily think about that but i would imagine somebody in the production team was able to push that forward and say hey this is when it needs to air because this is going to have the biggest impact compared to at least the worldwide spectacle and commodability of this franchise since when the world cup is on everything soccer has considering that when the World Cup is on, everything that it surrounds and encompasses is going to be elevated in one form or another. Uh, So the second biggest surprise that I ended up having through this season was uh, just seeing the overall reactions to Akiba Made War. I have not played a single Yakuza game, but that's essentially what everybody describes it as, and I'll kind of stick to that as well, is that it's basically just a... 2000s yeah so it's like a it's a early 2000s made cafe in the form of a yakuza game and it's really fun to see just the craziness of the characters like jump and bounce off each other i'm kind of glad that i was able to more not really marathon it but i jumped into it eight weeks into this season and i was really glad that considering how quickly you're able to get through it it didn't necessarily overstay its welcome because there were crazier and crazier things happening through each week, and I'm really glad to see that they were still able to keep the formula fresh and throw a couple of curveballs in through the rest of it. Um, Towards the end, I was really glad to see how, well, I was glad to see it. A couple of the other characters probably wouldn't be glad, but to be fair, what it was able to accomplish in terms of, (laughs) there was just no expectation for it. It was just, oh, here's a 2000s made show. Oh, hey, guess what? Um, There's a lot of guns and there's a lot of explosions and there's a lot of fighting and there is a lot of brutal murder that should have no place leading into any of what this show was initially like trying to be. But I guess at that point in time, that's what it was all along. And I'm kind of glad that it was able to stick to its roots and stay entertaining all the way to the end. So I would say if you have played any of the Yakuza games, I would definitely give this show a watch because it has a very similar through line to not only the chaos and the manic energy, but the highs and lows that that kind of franchise is able to give. Now, at the time of this recording, the final episode of this has not been released yet, but I can still firmly say that it is in like the top three or top four of this season for me. Considering that the only Gundams that I've seen to this point, I've seen Gundam Unicorn, and I've seen both of the seasons of Gundam Thunderbolt. If there is ever something that is going to be leading in, it's going to be, you know, 
Fighter G Gundam, and then at some point I'll watch Gundam The Origin just to get a idea about the rest of it. Oh yeah, uh, Gundam. I think it's Gundam Hathaway is also had a lot of good things and a lot of good pieces to uh, like bring to the table. So Hathaway is also going to be at some point. I don't think I'll watch them all back to back because I would definitely get pretty sick of Gundam pretty quickly, as I would with any show. But to this point. I would still say that Gundam Mercury has done a really good job with what it's able to do inside the Gundam universe. It's, it is high school, it is very much, uh, but it's very much in the same formula of, say, Revolutionary Girl Utna, which I am really much a fan of, and I'm really glad to see how they're able to go through. And it's like, hey, you're also you're going to be the first main female protagonist of a Gundam universe property. Oh yeah, also, <laughs> you're you're a you are fighting different knights in Gundam clad armor for a set of duels for the hand in marriage of this one princess who is basically at the heart of this capitalist oligarchy run world that is leading through space between Earth and Spatians and how that kind of money and that kind of colony is going to be leading into a lot of conflict because, hey, it's Gundam. There's going to be a lot of political intrigue. There's going to be a lot of infighting and killing. And I'm really curious to see how the second half of this series is going to go because I don't know when the second half is going to be released, but I'm really curious to see how they're able to, they're going to be moving forward. I'm really, I really want to see Saleta just because we know her motto and we know she moves forward and we know that she is an exceptional Gundam pilot, but um, she's been making steps thanks to her bride in honor that she is going to be able to move forward more than just two and that she's going to have the opportunity to bring herself up because there's a lot of unanswered questions, especially with the essence of how much time has passed between episode zero, which you definitely need to watch because it is there's a lot of major plot points that's going to be throwing you for a loop like halfway through the season and how that's going to be pushing the plot forward. And I'm really curious to see what it's going to be uh, introducing in the second half. But the first 11 at this point... The first 11 episodes have gotten me more than intrigued and more invested in all the characters that they've got going through. And just because it's more focused on the high school aspect of things rather than the political intrigue, I'm definitely excited to see what they're going to be moving forward. Because if the second half is going to begin as uh, what it's uh, setting up, and if the second half is going to be introducing anything to what it's setting up, there is going to be... <laughs> quite a bit of conflict leading to the rest of that. Um, as much as I would hope everybody's going to make it out alive, that's probably not going to be the case. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. So between Akiba Made War and this show, probably my biggest surprise, not only of this season, but the entire year, is going to be going to Bochi the Rock. It, 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 like, what else is there to say? It is funny, it is creative, it is engaging, all the fucking music and the rock style that they were able to go through if the only because of course everybody would compare that to Kaon in the sense that you've got a four-person band not really a five-person band yet and I highly doubt it's ever going to be a five-person thing but with the four-person band that they've got going through the first season um I, I definitely appreciate this music more than I did Kaon's music because Kaon's music is good I would I would push that towards more like alt or pop rock whereas Bochi the Rock is literally the rock. It is straight up rock. And I really enjoy I mean, I'm now like following and subscribing to all the albums and all the songs that Bochi's band was able to go and perform inside of the first season. Plus with a couple of extras, considering that it's going to have character themes for the endings and uh, theming and CDs and a handful of other songs that they didn't play in the first season of the show, 
but are like easily like some of the best stuff that they'll hopefully be able to do inside of a second season or a movie at some point in the future whenever that goes because it is just crazy like how good because my expectations for this show where it's like oh butchie the rock oh it's cute girls doing a band thing okay well it, it, it all it definitely all depends on like what kind of music they're going to play and so i listen to the opening it's like oh fuck that's a really good opening i watch the first two episodes and it's like oh fuck <laughs> the, the, the uh collaboration the band work that they're able to go through and how Every character itself, they have their own layers and they have their own dimensions to not just be the same like regular tropes, like the straight, like the, what is it, the the straight man thing and, and the chaos, but how zany and over the top and just below the desk that these characters can get, but also retaining some kind of character and humanity to watch them grow, which is definitely the best part about that, which is like everybody was saying, oh yeah, but what about Hitori Bochi? What about uh, the, the other ones? Like, A... I haven't seen that one, considering all the clips that I've watched seems that it's the same joke over and over and over, and the only people that change are the people around Bochi, and it's just, I would imagine that joke really gets stale really quickly. The Bochi and the characters inside of this show give us the reasons why they are the way they are, and at least gives Bochi the opportunity to being one of the most reclusive main characters I have ever seen <laughs> inside the rest of it, but her internal monologues and just fantasies are just some of the funnest and creative ways. Everybody that was a part of this, like everybody at Cloverworks, I've, like I've got to hand it to them considering that it's really tough for them to get any kind of production moving forward, which is definitely like the weakest part about their entire studio is just their production planning because on top of everything else, everything inside the anime industry, it's a miracle that it gets made in the first place because of how like shitty and hellish the production schedules are. But what they were able to accomplish inside of this especially which gives them more than enough freedom for you to do whatever the fuck they want considering how what kaon was it was like a short four comma into like a very short you know manga series which gave them more than enough just creative liberty and freedom to do whatever the fuck they wanted with any of the connective jokes that lead in from one scene to the other and it was it was fun it was engaging i was laughing my ass off i was just banging my head to the music considering all that shit slaps i don't think there's a single weak track on the album that they ended up putting up on spotify go look that shit up on you know whichever music streaming service or whichever piece that you have the opportunity to go through and listen to it is all phenomenal and every single piece of it definitely deserves your unwanted attention and yeah it's easily i'll have to go through considering that the next episode i'm going to be doing is like my 2022 retrospective currently this is easily my front runner for like the best surprise of the entire year and i'm really curious to see if they're going to be able to translate that success into a second season but at least to give something that it ended up rolling off to or what is it uh the trickle down is that this was a <laughs> i can only laugh because it's such a bochi thing to what happened to the uh, mangaka and the creator of bochi the rock so basically comic just happened down or at least winter comic happened in japan and so what happened to aki hamaji who is the creator of Bochi the Rock, she was so popular at Kamiket's first day that they had to move her out of the out of the building, out of the venue, because she was taking up too much space and causing too much commotion because of how well all this. Like, none of this was, um, like, official stuff for uh, Bochi. This was all just doujinshi for the Blue Archive smartphone game, and it was just, like, her own creative piece. And so <laughs> they moved her outside the venue like into, I can't remember if it was a hallway or an underpass, 
it it's it's right next to the roads it's literally just like beside the uh beside the packing and the truckways that lead underneath the venue the fact that they had to move her out because they needed a lot more space just so that she would have the opportunity to have more than enough space to sell her stuff was crazy so the popularity prompted an unexpected number of fans to line up at her booth so let me just put it this way at 10 30 in the morning she and um she announced that the Comic-Con organizers had to move her to a different location with fewer people around just so they could get her popularity and her the amount of people waiting for her doujins just out of the venue. And so at by 11.30, they were able to go through and they had finished the move and she had posted a photo of her solitary booth outside the main halls. At 12.50, everything was sold out. <laughs> it, was, it was all gone. Not even an hour and a half and she had gone through her entire stock. It was... It, like just it's so phenomenal it is such a bochi thing to happen through the rest of this so much like bochi herself after she joined a kisoka bando her comic experience was both in solitude and in popularity and she might have been by herself but she was also the star of the show and if that doesn't sum up the bochi the rock experience i don't know what does like honestly it was phenomenal everybody should give this show a watch even if you're not like too much of a rock fan even if you're not too much of like because it is kind of like a cute girls doing cute things show even though there was a good number of like gals in their 20s that are not only trying to manage the live stage that she ends up performing at but also just maneuvering around just the chaos that happens for the rest of it everybody is horny for the consistently drunk uh pink haired is it pink haired basis no i think it's purple haired it's regardless she is constantly shit-faced on incredibly cheap sake and everybody is just like instead of <laughs> it's since bochi the rock was very much that oh my god she just like me for real for real show it's just don't worry it's not just bochi the basists are <laughs> the bassists can also come in and give you a little taste of that as well so i'm really glad to see that that ended up popping up and it, it was easily my favorite experience of the season now what did I think my, like, for better or worse, the show that, of course, everybody was overhyping to all hell. Nobody was really expecting any of it to live up to the hype. And everybody was consistently, like, jumping on its ass after the end of the first episode because not, because everybody was like, oh, man, this is this shit, this CG, this is what everybody was clamoring for for the past year. You fuckers really think that cha this Chainsaw Man is regarded widely as one of the most anticipated or one of the best mangas in the past like in the 21st century get fucking real and as the season went on like you had more opportunities to go through and understand the characters and understand the world and try to figure out what essentially this hellscape has to offer anybody trying to just exist inside this chaotic and pessimistic and overall just world filled with negativity fear and hate and loneliness and just crippling depression and you still find reasons to live. It is just an amazing adaptation of a phenomenal piece of work that a lot of people definitely were put off on the wrong foot, which I can definitely... Which, which It's not that the CG was bad. It's just that everything else in the show looked good. And because it didn't like match itself up to the rest of it, it's just kind of like, oh, then we're just going to latch on to this 30, like 30 to 40 seconds of CG Chainsaw Man which apparently demerits all the other 22 minutes. Apparently, because people are fucking stupid sometimes. And they really want to be contrarian, and they really just want to take away from the fact where it's just kind of like, oh, so this isn't the greatest anime of all time? Fuck you. This is a really bad show, then. It's like, fuck you. Literally. All right, that's your opinion, man. Just go and enjoy something else. 
which I really hope is not one of the standard isekai shit that was popping up in this year, because I really can't really help you. It was definitely irritating to kind of see and, like, see everybody nitpick every single piece of the production that didn't necessarily live up to the rest of it, even though I thought MAPPA did a phenomenal job, and the page turn that it's able to do halfway through the season, which then just immediately turned everything else in the show on its head, and nobody could find a single bad thing to say about it, ever. Like, they, they had their month, month and a half to go through and just nitpick and be like, why the fuck is this so popular? Why is this the rest of it? And then it finally turns itself over and nobody could just ignore it anymore. No, like nobody could just like put it down and just say, oh, well, no, this is just, this is just a phenomenal piece of work. And the one thing that I definitely give Chainsaw Man is after watching the adaptation, I just can't really call it a regular anime. Like a lot of people were just saying, hey, this is just standard shonen like or like offhand seinen this isn't necessarily something to go through this what chainsaw man is especially with what probably i can't was it miyazaki or ano i think it was miyazaki who was basically saying that you need to look outside the medium of anime to go through and create special and long-lasting stories and considering what fujimoto is at his core which is just an a whole movie lover across every single culture, every single demographic, and every single genre of cinema, he has so much inspiration, like, bleeding from his fingertips that it's just so difficult for me to even call this an anime. This, like, if you told me Chainsaw Man was an anime, it's like, yeah, definitely from, by definition, it is an anime, but if you try to line it up to any other show besides Jujutsu Kaisen, maybe, which is hella anime. I would definitely, like, put that in the, in the same vein. But there's just... I, I, I can't... It's an anime, but it takes nothing from anime. It just basically goes through and it's just, oh, well, this is the Genki. This is the loner. This is the person who just has no feelings whatsoever and is apathetic towards the world and wants to only cause destruction. None of this basically gives me the feel of an anime. This definitely just gives me the feel of some phenomenal animated production that you could universally show to nearly anybody because it does get really fucking weird. Not Probably not universally to everybody, but you could just throw this into any international circle as an animated feature and anybody would have the opportunity to find something to enjoy about this, whether it's the production, whether it's the references, whether it's <laughs> the quote-unquote memes, whether it's the hum human characters living inside of a society that seldom gives them any peace or love or joy or anything, but they still have the opportunity to keep living. Everything about Chainsaw Man as a manga, as a story, as a whole, does more than enough inside of the medium that it's given to make it something that transcends not only the medium itself, but into a way that as the story moves forward, and we're definitely going to be getting a second season of this leading in, it is definitely something that I could wholly recommend to nearly everybody I know about something that this is definitely what anime can do. This is something that can be universally settled out and praised and loved and just reacted to and with just such visceral feeling and empathy. I don't know. I'm really trying to just fill whatever I can to describe how, like, good this show was. 
And if I'm not going to go to the detractors because if you didn't like it, you didn't like it, fine. Just go find something else to watch. But I will definitely say, like, not as somebody who's, like, what is it? <laughs> Rubbing the balls and stroking the shaft like fucking Jack Black would do for anybody on Tatsuki Fujimoto. He is definitely, like, one of the best, if not the best mangaka that is currently pumping out work inside of the medium as a whole. And so I'm really glad to see that MAPPA was able to live up to the hype with what they were able to deliver and i can't wait to see when what they're going to be able to do because what they've been able to tease leading into season two the characters that have only been given a glimpse and a fraction of the time that they're going to be getting in leading into the rest of this story i cannot wait to see the reaction and how everybody is going to be re-experiencing this show just like everybody else and i am wholly excited to see what fujimoto and the rest of the crew at mappa will be able to bring in the second season so at least for that, that is the probably final thing I'm going to be able to line up for the rest of 2022. I've got a lot of time and I'm really curious to see what I'm going to be able to do with how I recover uh, leading into tomorrow. So hopefully I'll be able to have the opportunity to go through and refresh and give myself a little bit of time to go back and have a good 2022 retrospective. I'm pretty sure because I really did have a lot, I didn't have a lot of shows uh, outside of anime that I jumped into. Most of it was film. I did have a lot of opportunities to go see films uh, in the theaters based on just how much good stuff was leading into the rest of the year. And I'm really glad to see what they were able to accomplish and what we were able to do inside of that year, especially with how popular the theaters became and how many more opportunities we had to go through and experience that with each other. So that's probably something I'm going to save for the retrospective and something that I'll go through and lead into the rest of the year. But I hope the rest of you have a happy New Year's celebration and I'll see you in the new year. Cheers. Have a good one.